Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about the duckies, part two. All right, Josh. Yeah. Should we just start with it? Uh, I do have an inquiry of the half squared Fortnite yeah, for that, the audience. That is the it. Uh, however, it's a simple one. And we don't have to give an answer right now, so we oh, just jump right thing. in. Yes. Ooh, nice. Good one. There you go. Could that be my Who knows? Kylie. Yes. Uh, my question for the listeners is, what's your favorite film of, uh... 2018, everybody. Kylie, here's how we're going to answer the question of what's our favorite film of the year. We'll answer that actually later, but this time through, Kylie, what's a film that you're not going to talk about that you feel needs some love? Uh, I don't think Boy Erased is anywhere on any of this. And Boy Erased isn't my number 13. Go for it. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, Boy Erased. Do it. <laughs> Boy Erased, and even, I'm going to say the miseducation of Cameron Poe, uh, are touching on a subject that <clears throat> I think surprise, surprises a lot of people um, that this is still a problem within our society. I think, like, a lot of times people might be like, oh, that's just a past thing. Those don't exist anymore. However, uh, conversion therapy uh, is still a thing that's uh, an issue within our society. And so Boy Erased and the miseducation of Cameron Poe's Poe? Post? Poe. Poe. Uh, take a look at something like that, and I think that the, it, it's an important an important topic to be talking about. Um, and I, I do think that I do prefer Boy Erased Post. over uh, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Post. Yeah. But, um... I also agree with that sentence. Uh, but I do think that they are at least, like, trying to open up a conversation. Agreed. Um... My film that I want to talk about that I don't think I'm going to get to talk about in any other way, shape, or form... Oh, man, there's actually a lot of them. But I'm going to go with Shirkers. Shirkers is a documentary that is on Netflix right now. And it is story... It's by Sandy Tam. And she was, grew up in Singapore and made a film in the very early 90s as part of this 90s indie movement. And her for lack of a better word, director slash producer of the film, ended up taking the film and hiding it. And she never got to see what she created. Um, and that happens And as that story plays out and what that means for not only independent cinema, but for her as a person, I think the film is beautiful. It's, it's really stunning. And the, the story that unfolds, you're like, this happened in real life. That's bonkers. Uh, yeah, so Shirkers, give it a shot. It's worth definitely worth your time on Netflix. <clears throat> All right, Kylie. Yes. There was our next category up here is called Best Scenes in Mediocre Movies. Oh, I wrote bad movies. Mm, fair enough, but I... Best Scenes in Mediocre Movies. Would that like to begin? Uh, yes, because I wanted to explain this category this year because this is a new category to us, which one that I really like. And part of the reason why I think this year is, is you mentioned a sentence at the very end of the last episode, which was going to be my intro for this kind of category, which is, we suffered through the summer of meh. Um, and weirdly enough... We, for a long time this year, I would say, said that 2018 was not going to end up being that wonderful of a year in movies, that there would be some good stuff, but it would be a pretty, pretty, you know, pretty meh year. And then as the fall rolled around and a lot of these other movies started coming out, 
I'm starting to look through my list, and I can go, I don't know, 40 films deep before I'm even starting to hit films that I'm like, okay, there are some problems, but I still like these films in general, and it's a good... I mean, it's a good 60 to 75 film deep before I'm like, oh, okay, these are just not great. Yeah, and so it's been, I actually think, a really, really good year in film. There's a lot of films that I just genuinely love from this year. Um, but yeah. See, okay, so I, did, I didn't do best scene in a mediocre film because that was not the category sent to me via text. Okay, you can say bad film. That's fine. So I took films that were bad. That's fine. I chose the word mediocre because if I didn't, I feel like one of my choices will hurt your feelings. You can talk bad about Hotel Transylvania 3. Not uh, everyone is as nuanced as I am. I'm not. And it's not. That's not. I don't know what else you would talk well, about. We'll then. get there then. Why would it hurt my feelings, Josh? We'll get there. I don't get affected by things like you do. Well, I know, but I sometimes like to... Josh, if you wanted to use mediocre, you needed to inform me. I'm sorry. I did... I, bad, mediocre, they're pretty interchangeable words. No, because it would have changed quite differently, because Free Solo might be on here, as opposed to stupid Mamma Mia 2. Okay, well, fair <laughs> enough. We'll, we'll, we'll hash this out for next year, listeners. Good. All right, do you want to go through your uh, nominations? You go first. Okay, uh, so my nominations are um, Winnie the Pooh in the train station in Christopher Robin, the final sequence or the final game in the Miracle Season, uh, James Corden and Anne Hathaway's scene in Ocean's 8, the rooftop scene from Support the Girls, uh, Tessa, Thompson, Tessa Thompson's gardening experience in Annihilation. Those are all of my honorable mentions. The My nominations are, my top five nominations, the uh, training sequence or the use of I Predict a Riot in Early Man. Uh, John Cena actually listens to his daughter in Blockers. Something that he does. Lando Calrissian shows off his cape room in Solo, A Star Wars Story. The Cheddar Goblin in Mandy. And uh, the long neck is in peril on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Which one would hurt my feelings? The, the fact that Mandy is on my list here. I know you don't like it. I mean, fair enough. I told you from the beginning, don't watch Mandy, you won't like it. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> um, Crimes of Grindelwald, Catching the Cat, My Love, My Life from Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. Ike Barinholtz stats can be good from blockers. Yeah, we both have a blockers moment. Um, the ballet from Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Oh, okay. Like where Karen Knightley stops talking and we're just watching dancing. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. And then of course the lobster tank. Venom. <laughs> Alright, let's dig deep into these. Uh my number five for this category is Early Man. There is a fine, if I'm being very generous, animated film by Ardman Studios, but there is a fun sequence where mm, Eddie Redmayne's uh, character is trying to get the rest of his uh, team ready for the soccer match, and they just have a fun training sequence that's not anything unique or special, but it's fun, and they use the song I Predict a Riot, which is a good song, and it works well. Um... There is a scene late in Blockers where John Cena actually listens to what his daughter's wants and needs are, and as she's expressing herself after he's been creepy dad throughout the whole thing, and I was like, 
huh, who knew? Good job there, Blockers. Blockers is a movie that I wish I had more fun with because I know that there's a lot of people that are out there that champion that movie, and I just didn't enjoy watching it. But I do appreciate its messaging and its themes that it puts out there. Um, any Basically, any time... Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian was on screen in Solo, A Star Wars Story. I was having a good time because he was having a good time. And that's a shining star performance in a pretty mediocre movie. But, but, specifically with the cape scene where he's like, these are my capes. And then he goes and shows them off. And I'm like, good times. Good times, everybody. Um... Uh, of course, Kylie's talked in depth about the Cheddar Goblet sequence and why it works, and so I'm going to let that those words stand for it because I agree with all of those words. Go back to the last episode to hear more about the Cheddar Goblin in Mandy, a very well-made film that I just didn't care for. Um, and then my number one, shockingly, is from the worst movie of my list here, and I genuinely dislike Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and kind of forgot it came out this year till I was going through my list. Like, whoo. But there is a moment that pays just enough homage to kind of our original time of seeing the long neck dinosaur on um, on the island. And there is, as we're leaving Isla Nublar for what is presumed the last time, so to speak, uh, we see the island is exploding and volcanoes and melting and lots of things are happening. And we just see this kind of like halo-ish shot of this long neck uh, being there as it goes around and it's just kind of the death of everything that was really kind of pretty and kind of like awe-inspiring about the first Jurassic Park is is kind of in this one little scene that we have here in this bonkers movie uh, but yeah so that scene there actually just in the way that it pays homage to the original Jurassic Park and what it means for the franchise I think that one is my favorite uh, best it's scene in a favorite, bad movie. It's my favorite scene of that because they listened. Yeah. We should just let the dinosaurs die. Yeah. <laughs> True story. Period. End of sentence. Yep. All right. So, Catching the Cat, Catching the Cat, Crimes of Grindelwald. I don't know. He's got a weird little thing that like, and you're like, oh, it's Eddie at Redmayne. This yeah. is what I wanted from this film series. Yep. yep. Not all of this like propaganda. Eddie Redmayne and Beast. That's all yeah. I need. Number two, My Love, My Life. Mamma Mia 2, here we go again. Listen, you get Meryl Streep up there. She's doing her thing. This is a real moment of real emotion in that film. It doesn't feel like powdered sugar being blown into my face. Choking me to death. Yeah, but it tastes so sweet. Oh, yeah. Um, Ike Barinholtz, dads can be good blockers. <laughs> dads can be good? I just, like, how did you... How did this film... Get me on board with Ike Barinholtz out of everyone there. Why was I like, yes. Ike Barinholtz this whole time, is just, he's just, he's not there to like stop his daughter per se. He's more there to just hang out with the other two parents. But like he has this very like touching heart to heart with his child about like her coming out. And I was like, okay, here we go. Dads can be good. Dads can be good. Uh, the ballet in Nutcrackers in the Four Realms, um, because people weren't talking. Um, okay. And it's beautiful dancing. There is beautiful dancing. I also like later in the film, where, the, by later I mean the credits. The end credits, where, where they keep dancing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, she's a great ballet, uh, ballerina. Yeah. And then, of course, number one is the lobster tank from Venom. 
because Tom Hardy was like, I'm going to go in this lobster tank and you can't stop me. <laughs> yeah, you saw that lobster tank and you're like, Tom Hardy's getting in that lobster tank. <laughs> you weren't wrong. You were not wrong. Um, I don't know. Like, Venom, when Tom Hardy's just like falling apart as a human, <laughs> I guess I'm just like, yes. This is what I wanted. And he, like, bites into a lobster, and he's, like, dead. And, like, his inner voice is just, like, feed me. And I mean, like, who can't <laughs> relate to that? Yeah. And he's just... And once he gets in the lobster tank, you're like, well, now everything is different. The world is different. It's like the Cars 3 trailer. Everything is different. Everything is different now. It's also like the Frozen 2 trailer. Eh. That didn't have as much of an impact on me. Uh, you'd already seen the Cars 3 trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I'd already seen the lobster tank. Uh. <laughs> Alright. For this support best supporting performance, I have 14 nominations. Great, I can read my honorable mentions then. <laughs> I wasn't going to read them, but I will now. <laughs> I don't know if this was true for you, but supporting was the hardest one to narrow down. Yeah, I don't have a winner, winner yet. We're going to figure it out okay. together. I, I, think. I think I still have a winner, but, but um, I, th these ones might be my favorite collection of performances that I have this for this, this year. I, I think supporting was a really strong year this year. Shall I begin? Yeah. All right. I got Michelle Yeoh from Crazy Rich, a Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians, mm -hmm. Alex Wolf from Hereditary, Vin Rames from Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, Vin. <laughs> he made the list. He made the list. Lewis Pullman from Bad Times at the El Royale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Killian Murphy from The Party. Jennifer Aniston, Dumplin'. Alessandro Nivola from Disobedience. Steve Buscemi from Nancy, Tessa Thompson from Annihilation, Shia LaBeouf by, from Borg vs. McEnroe, Isabel okay. Mo... What? Oh, sorry. I just was like, Isabel Uper. I was trying to say it with you, but no. it's not. I'm Is so sorry. Isabella Monaire from Instant Family, Hugh Grant from Paddington 2, Rachel Weisz from The Favorite, and Wyatt Russell, Overlord. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, my four honorable mentions. So for, just so listeners know, for my acting categories and my picture, I did ten. Um, and then my acting categories got honorable mentions. There um, are ten in the rest of my films. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, there are technically ten, but I did five and five honorable mentions, so this one just has a little bit more to it. No, um, it. supporting performances. Four honorable mentions. Tessa Thompson in Sorry to Bother You. Timothy Chalamet in Beautiful Boy, Zoe Kazan in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Michelle Yeoh in Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, uh, top ten, or my ten performances are... So, my nominations, uh, top ten for supporting actor are... Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Brian Tyree Henry for If Beale Street Could Talk, Elizabeth Debicki for Widows, Hugh Grant for Paddington 2, Josh Hamilton for 8th Grade, Letitia Wright for Black Panther, Michael B. Jordan for Black Panther, Molly Parker for Madeline's Madeline, Rachel Weisz for The Favorite, and Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. Alright, so I'm just going to start from the bottom. Here we go. Michelle Yeoh from Crazy Rich Asians. Michelle Yeoh comes in and she is a tour de force from the beginning. You see her and you're like powerhouse. 
here she is. And she's great. She's great. She has so much gravitas to herself. She is the true, like, villain. Not, she's not the villain, but she's the, she is the El Capo that Constance Wu needs to uh-huh. scale in order to <laughs> get what she wants in life. In order to get married. <laughs> in order to get married. Yes. Um, uh, 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 Michelle Yeoh's great. She's great. She's got this icy cool stare, but then there are moments where she's talking to her child and you're like, you're a little bit kinder, but then like you go back to Constance Wu and you're like, oh my gosh, please don't murder me. Um, next up, Alex Wolf from Hereditary. Listen, Alex Wolf is great. He's great in this film. Uh, he is also going through a traumatic experience, meh, similarly to, um, Tom Hardy in Venom. I'm on board with it. Yep. Vin Rames from Mission Impossible Fallout. You just have this very sweet moment between him and Michelle Monaghan at the end of the film, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is why Vin is here. This is why this is Vin's series. It's not. It should be. It's why it should be Ving's series. There's even moments where he's like with Rebecca Ferguson and he has the heart. He brings all of the heart that's in this film because there's supposedly supposed to be some connection between Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson. And you know who makes it clear that there's a connection? It's Ben Reigns. Louis Pullman in Bad Times at the El Royale. Holy crap. This is one of like, the most endearing performances, where the first time you see him, you're just like, oh my gosh, this character is going to be hecka annoying. But then the film keeps going on, and you just feel worse and worse and worse for this character, and you just love him more and more, and then by the end, you're just like, Lewis Pullman, I love you. Let me take care of you, small baby bird. Fair enough. <laughs> but then you realize you can't take care of the you small can't. baby you bird. You can't take care of the small baby bird. Uh, Killian Murphy from The Party. This uh, performance is very, like, exhausting to watch. As in, you just feel energized the entire <laughs> way through. You're like, yeah! Here we go, Killian Murphy! Jennifer Aniston and Dumpling. Jennifer Aniston has never stood out to me as a great actress. She is a fun actress but in dumpling she also has that heart-to-heart moment and you're like holy crap look at the uh, holy crap look at the acting chops that this lady can produce it's almost like a lot of times we don't give her credit i've never seen friends won't comment on it uh (laughs) alessandra nivola disobedience i'm also watching this and i'm like holy crap this guy he's real good yeah he is real good he stands toe-to-toe with both of those ladies, so, yeah. And you're just like, oh, we got a contender here! Yeah. Uh, Steve Buscemi and Nancy. Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi in most of his career just feels like he's a joke. But in the film Nancy, a lot of... It, it, Nancy has a very heartfelt performance where... Uh, you're watching this man who's just going back and forth of is my daughter here is my daughter not here and you just feel so bad for his situation and you understand where he's coming from because like while we may want nancy to be nancy we don't know if nancy is nancy and see buscemi is just trying to be a rock tessa thompson from annihilation she's doing great things she's doing wonderful things she's easily my favorite part of that movie shia labeouf borg versus McEnroe. Here we did. Here we've done it. We've taken the Shia LaBeouf arrogance and we put it into and his rage and his anger and we put it into a healthy outlet and he is over there being McEnroe and he is being great. What are your thoughts on Honey Boy? I haven't seen it yet. Third favorite movie of the year. <laughs> great. So you're looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Isabella Monaire, Instant Family. So in Instant Family, there are two adults. I 
don't really care about them. Nope. They kind of suck. There are two younger They're kids. They're trying, though. Yes. They're trying. They're trying. Yes. That's what matters. Yeah. Two younger kids, not much to them. They're cute. And that's why I kind of care about <laughs> them. But here is who we got. We got Isabella Monaire. She is the reason I want this to work out because this poor young lady is going through so much and she's trying to be an adult. She's also being a spoiled teenager and she's trying to do both back and forth and everything. And she is the reason why I want this family to work out because this girl needs a home. Three questions on Instant Family. <laughs> One. Joan Cusack's in this movie? Yeah, she's in this movie. It's wonderful. That, was, that almost made my mind-blowing moment. Yeah, it's solid. It's solid. <laughs> it's, it's real good. Like, I, I texted you like, what, did I imagine this? <laughs> Two. Okay. What are your thoughts on Grandma? Grandma oh. Sandy. Ah, uh, she's great. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh my gosh, okay. Grandma Sandy. Okay, three. Okay. Do you know the other film that Isabella and Mark Wahlberg have been in? Yes. Uh, she's in Transformers 5 the last night she's also going to be Dora the Explorer and Dora the Explorer an episode that we're going to have to do because of Eugenio yeah why do we have a teenager playing Dora I don't get it I don't know Josh okay perfect yeah moving on <laughs> great uh, Hugh Grant from Hugh Grant Paddington 2 we did it everybody listen 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 uh, okay do you know how many characters he plays in that film several <laughs> 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 I mean, what else is there to say? He plays all of them. Yeah. So. Much. so... I, he's also just like, I'm Hugh Grant, and I think that everyone thinks I'm a joke, so I will be a joke. Yeah. But then at the end, he's like, you know what, you snivelers? I am no joke. And he sings a song. Hugh Grant. No, why? Hugh Grant. He's he's here to play ball. He is, and the Baftas are the only people that recognized it. Not not surprising. Nah, <laughs> British people support each other. <laughs> yeah. Rachel Vise and the favorite. Listen, listen. I'm listening. My favorite was my favorite. <laughs> Your favorite was <laughs> the favorite yes. of Rachel Vise. Yeah. She's she is baller. She comes to play and she hits it harder than anyone else in that film. Yes, Olivia Coleman is also excellent. Love her. Yes, Emma Stone also excellent. Love her. But you know who's there? They're all at nines. So you know who's there at a sixteen? Rachel, <laughs> the champ, buys. There it is. And then Wyatt Russell and Overlord. Okay. I, I finally see. What, why you, Russell has to bring to the table. Uh, can I, can I, can I Rachel Vice question you real fast? Of course! You had, I, this might be a vague spoiler, so if it is, okay. just let me know. Okay. You had let me know earlier that the, her performance in The Favorite isn't your favorite <laughs> performance of hers of the year. Nope. Are we going to be talking about her again later? No. Oh, Okay. So we didn't nominate her other performance, even though we liked it better. Yeah. <laughs> I was just needing to... Josh, I work in mysterious ways. You do work in mysterious ways. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Maybe it should be, though. Yeah, like, I was just giving you some time to, like... <laughs> to really... What is happening? Uh, Molly Parker in Madeline's Madeline. So I'm gonna do mine from ten to one up. Here we go. Um, uh, Molly Parker in Madeline's Madeline. Molly plays the director of this troupe that Madeline gets involved with, and just the 
arc that this character has to go on is one of the most fascinating and interesting things that I have seen in a film, as well as her relationship to Madeline and how that evolves. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry and If Bill Street Could Talk, he is on screen for maybe 15 minutes at most, and he's got exactly one scene, and it's in this one scene where we kind of like stop and we just deal with what's happening with him and his character and how it's relating to our main two characters, and it's one of the most beautiful, soulful, heartfelt performances of the entire year, and I love every ounce and every second of it. Letitia Wright in Black Panther uh, is amazing. Like, I just, she brings such fun and light to that, to and heft to this role, which could have just been like, I'm the sister, I make the toys that we get to play with everybody, and it seems like there's so much more, that there's so much more depth and fun, and her relationship in particular with uh, Chadwick Boseman is really, really solid, and something that's true, and I don't necessarily mean this as a knock on Chadwick Boseman as much as, like, as a praise to Letitia Wright and Michael B. Jordan, because Chadwick himself has to play the kind of straight arrow of the entire piece. And he's not given a lot to do and he's not given a lot to deal with other than the ideas of like what it means to be a son and what it means to be a king and all of those things which he does well with. But characters and actors like Letitia Wright and Michael B. Jordan and any uh, many, many other people in the film really help elevate I think Chadwick Boseman's performance as well. And that's something that's really helpful there too. Adam Driver in Black Klansman, I think, gives this really complex portrait of this cop who is not only struggling with what it means to be a white man in America, but what it means to be a Jewish man in America and how he's coming to terms with his Jewish identity. And I think that that's something that, that we don't see a lot in ter- on film and represented, and especially in a film of this kind of caliber and this one that is as is, is, is well-responded well and well-reviewed as, as Black is. I, I love what he's doing and what he brings. I think Adam Driver is one of the better actors of his generation, and I'm excited to get to watch and continue to see the choices that he makes, because he's always interesting on screen. Um, Josh Hamilton in 8th Grade. 8th uh, Grade lives and dies by its performances of its actors. It's a very small film in its scope and its scale and what that means is that you need to have these very true, honest performances and Josh Hamilton plays the father in the piece and there's throughout the whole thing you know that he's a good dad and he's just concerned about his daughter in that not overtly concerned kind of way but that way of just like oh buddy you know what dealing with an 8th grader is kind of hard and you're trying your best but she's not giving you all the information and you're trying and you're just hoping to make an emotional connection with her um, there is a scene near the end of the film where they are at a, a they're they're at a bonfire in their in their backyard with just the two of them uh, the father and daughter and they start to talk about why mom isn't around and then how dad feels about his relationship with his daughter. And, and it's just this really beautifully moving scene that he gets to show, I think what a lot of parents feel towards their kids and how they will, what they would do to love and support their kids. And I think it's, it's a really strong, wonderful performance. Um, when I said earlier that I feel really strongly about these batch of performances, like from Josh Hamilton up, I wish I could give every single one of these people an award. Like, these, let's do it. Okay. All, yeah. Like, all right. Who you got? Who you got? Okay. So Josh Hamilton, and then best dad. Yep. Great. Okay. Next one. Best dad. Uh, Regina King. Best mom. Best Here mom. we go. <laughs> yes. She went down to like 
Cuba or something. Yeah, there you go. She, and if Beale Street could talk, <laughs> yeah. uh, she is a very supportive, very wonderful mom. There is the scene in Cuba uh, with Pedro Pascal, uh, and it's just, it's just amazing. What she does on screen and on camera is beautiful and amazing to watch. Uh, so, got best dad, best mom, great. Uh, we've got Hugh Grant in Paddington 2. Best. Uh, multiple roles. Uh, yeah, that, uh, in great. A film. Yeah, yeah. Best multiple roles in a film. Uh, <laughs> of course, as Kylie said, he's just having so much fun, and yet you believe that this this is a character that is could be a real person in this kind of storybook universe, and it's just he's having the best time on camera. Not only his dance sequence in the credits, but he's just his scheming and his playing all of the characters in his one man show. Even his dog food commercial, you're like. Stop it. This is great. Hugh Grant there. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth the Bicky in Widows. Whew. Baller. Best baller. She came to play. Oh, yeah. She, <laughs> she came to play. I don't know if I said my number one for supporting. Did it's, you not? It's going to be Rachel. Oh, okay. Wyatt Russell was the last person I talked about, but that's because when I made these lists, I had my 100 favorite films up, and I just went through, and I was like, Got it. Uh, there's someone. Yeah, okay, good. Sorry, Rachel's but number one. It's Rachel. Okay. Who else? The Academy's not going to give it to her, so I need to. Uh, great. Back to Elizabeth the Bicky. Baller. Baller. Like, her- I remember when I left, and I was like, Viola's great. <laughs> But Elizabeth the Bicky, like, she Ooh. has so much to do. Yeah, absolutely. And you just, that journey from her where she starts to, I would say that, like, probably the quote-unquote weakest out of all of the widows in terms of, like, how dependent she was on the relationship to the husband and just where she was to the end where she is on her own and making it work. And she just knows that this is her time in life to shine and to just, like, I, I have to do what I have to do. Uh, also, shout out to her and the tail. Uh, very hard. Very, very hard. Very difficult role. But, like, to do those two performances in the same year, just, like, Elizabeth Debicki, I'm on board. You are fantastic. Um, number two for me is Rachel Weiss in The Favorite. <sighs> Just so good. Just you, so captivating. And it's a character that, like, I talked about a lot of other characters having growth and change. And what's actually really beautiful about her performance is it's so consistent in the way that it cares, whether her character cares for Queen Anne and Olivia Coleman's character. And yet you just see it so differently throughout the course of the film. Like, she, I just want to walk around in, like, her pirate outfits and just be, and I'm just, like, the best pirate outfits done. Like, not even that. Just, like, what she does, as Kylie says, she makes that movie work in every way, shape, or form. And my number one um, is no surprise. Uh, we've talked about this performance quite a bit, especially when it has its own episode. It has, uh, we talked about it a lot in the Aquaman episode also, but it is Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger in Black Panther. Oh, man, we said we talked about it in the, in the Aquaman. I was like, Orm? <laughs> Orm. Orm it is. Yes. No, we spent a lot of time talking about Black Panther in the Aquaman episode. We also spent a lot of time talking about Aquaman in the Aquaman episode. My so, man. Yes. Uh, there's just been something that it has had its hooks into me about this performance this whole year. And I think that 
I know that there's been some backlash against this performance in definite recent months from not only the internet comic kids who are like, Black Panther's not the best movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's not the best villain because like when something gets a lot of praise, we have to have the trolls saying that it's not good. But also in the critical universe has also had some issues in terms of calling it showy at times and saying that it's over the top for the movie. And I just don't agree with those sentences. I think that what Michael B. Jordan brings to this role is this real genuine depth and real genuine honesty. You, at every moment understand what this character is and what it wants to be as well as you feel his anger and his rage and you know why it's there and he's so charismatic on screen and you're just in it, it to me the reason one of the reasons why is like you've got Daniel Kaluuya's character in the film who eventually jumps ship from T'Challa to Killmonger and for no other reason than just like this is Killmonger and he's going to be in charge and he's speechifying at this moment. And the only reason that we know that works to me is on Michael B. Jordan's performance. It's just, he carries every scene that is in and you're just, you're with him this entire moment. And it's to me on the same level as the Joker, as Heath Ledger's Joker in just terms of quality and honest and performance and finding a real balance in creating a comic book character and also creating a real genuine cinematic character. Nice. Yeah. All right, ready for the hardest list to make? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, every year, but it's <laughs> fine. I I have I have ten. I have ten. I've got ten, and I've got my four honorable mentions. Oh my gosh! How did you find four more? Um, this one I know the winner too. This one was not a hard winner too uh-huh. because I had it from the beginning. I was like, oh yeah, my favorite comedy is this, and this is going to be this, and this is the performance that I like and I care about. But then I was like, all right, let's find some competition. So w- when I do lists like this, it's where I start to kind of understand a little bit more of the Golden Globe struggle. <laughs> yes, of like trying to find comedy because if you just really narrow it down to like that very base definition of comedy there's not a lot of options in there always but there are are some through lots of things and so I had to be like what are movies that I laughed at this year and like so here we go all right all right here we go um my honorable mentions oh sorry category is best comedic performance (laughs) we don't do uh actor actress or things like that we just kind of do comedic dramatic and supporting so there we go um here we go. Uh, my honorable mentions are Lynn Manuel Miranda in Mary Poppins Returns, Lily James in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, Laurel Howery in Uncle Drew, uh, Anna Kendrick in A Simple Favor, and my 10 actual nominees in alphabetical ish order, alphabetical by first name apparently. Uh, ben Wishaw in Paddington 2, Blake Lively in A Simple Favor, Elsie, or sorry, Constance Wu in Crazy Rich Asians, Elsie Fisher in Eighth Grade, Haley Steinfeld in Bumblebee, Jake Johnson in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Jason Momoa in Aquaman. Fight me that it's not a comedic performance. That thing is hilarious. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Sorry to Bother You, Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, and Rachel McAdams in Game Night. Nice. 
Yeah. We got some crossover. Ooh. <laughs> Here we go. Just in no order in particular. Nick Offerman in Hearts Beat Loud. Robert Redford in The Old Man and the Gun. That's comedic. Oh my gosh, I need to see it. It's more of an afternoon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dan- uh. um, Danielle McDonald in Dumplin'. Nick Robinson in Love, Simon. Kyrie Irving in Uncle Drew! <laughs> Melissa McCarthy in Life of the Party. Rachel McAdams, Game Night. Paul Rudd, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, okay. Constance Wu, Crazy Rich Asians. And Aquafina in a dual oh, movie oh, performance oh. of Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians. There you go. She is supporting in both of them. However. <laughs> Combined. She is. That's okay. I put both, uh... Anna- you, had, you had the little kid, the littlest of kids from It last year in your comedic yeah. performance. No worries. It's good. Yeah, he was hilarious. He hit that side real hard. <laughs> Modern day Buster Keaton he yep, is. there you go. <clears throat> Alright. Uh, let's run through mine here. Uh... Okay, so then I've reordered it now. Ten to one for me. Ten to one for me. Number ten, Jason Momoa, Aquaman. My man. My man! Dude, I laugh so much in this movie. I had such a good time. This is me being a jerk, though. But, like, I'm sorry that performance is comedic. Is it, it has not to su- be. It's, not, it's supposed is to it be. Su- it's supposed to be? It's supposed to oh, be. Oh, good. Okay. No, as long as it's supposed to be. Suppo- we're not supposed to take him seriously. All right. He's good. a man-child. <laughs> Okay, my favorite moment, my favorite comedic moment, I guess, during this whole thing is the scene in the bar where I'm like arms folded. I was like, ugh, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be a stupid bar fight. Uh, and then it turns around and they're all like friends with each other. And you get the selfies of them getting more and more drunk. Oh, it's good times. Good times at the movies. Um, number eight is Ben Weshaw in Paddington 2. Uh, I love Ben Musha. I think he's the perfect voice for Paddington. I think he's wonderful. The reason why this is a... We haven't recorded officially. What? Josh has finally announced that Paddington is not a person. And is played by another person. No! I've ruined it! I've ruined it! Anyway, it's fine. Welcome, everyone. Yes. Welcome, Tiz. Tis on camera. <laughs> oh no, the bit's ruined. Oh, it's fine. Ben, you deserve it. Uh, he's only at number nine for me because I love his earnestness and I love the comedic chops that he has and brings, but I feel like Paddington actually gets to be like the straight man in all the scenes and he lets everybody else kind of be the kind of jokey jokes around him in a lot of ways. So that's why he's a little bit lower on my list, but still an important part of it. Um, Richard McAdams and game night. I'm shocked that game night has made my, maybe both episodes on my list because a movie's fine, but like she was really good in that movie. Like hardcore loved almost everything she did in that movie. Uh, she's great. Uh, Constance Wu, crazy, rich, crazy, rich Asians. She's wonderful. Can't, uh, can't say enough good things about this performance. You, you're with like sh- that movie lives and breathes with Constance Wu, who is just a joy to watch at every single turn of that movie. Also, quick shout out to Fresh Off the Boat. If you're not watching that show, you should. It's a good, fun show. 
Jake Johnson in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as Peter B. Parker, uh, the Spider-Man we'd all be if we were Spider-Man. Do I like children? Do I like children? (laughs) (laughs) Just the one-liners are so good and so well delivered. And that character on the whole, he's not given a lot of screen time to deal with his crap, but he deals with it so good. On top of, he's just, every ounce is hilarious and great. And yeah, just love. He's a character that I, I feel like the comedy and the pathos go really well together and so it works out beautifully um Haley steinfeld in bumblebee bumble i wasn't thinking you were bumblebee is a movie that every single moment that Haley steinfeld is on screen love this movie i love everything she's doing i love every ounce of that relationship with the character of bumblebee with the other boy who's in her life with her parents he's an with... elite battle angel he is an elite battle angel there you go just <laughs> this is such a star making performance to me and i know Haley seinfeld is already a star but like what i mean by that is like if this came out in the time it was set in because this feels like an 80s blockbuster in so many many ways which is so good this is what i've always wanted from the Transformers franchise. Bumblebee is my favorite of the series, though it's a very flawed film. Um, John had said to me, he's like, if this was the first Transformers film to come out in this remake universe, would you have liked it even more? And I was like, well, yeah, I'd probably not have, it wouldn't have the weight of six other god-awful films on top of it. That being said, if this had come out in the 80s when it's set, I this is one of those things where, like, Haley Seinfeld would just be, like, the biggest star in the world and, like, everywhere because of her, what she brings to the camera and how she's on screen and her presence. And just not really since her debut in the Coen Brothers' True Grit have I been as on board with her as, like, dude, you just carry this movie. You carry every ounce, and I love... I just want to watch this performance for days on end. Anyway, uh, Haley Seinfeld in Bumblebee is great. Blake Lively, uh, A Simple Favor is a movie that I adore. I think that is spot on in pitch, spot on in tone. The mystery is super fun. Uh, the kind of like, it's it's pulpy, it's soap opera, it's melodramatic, it's, it's, it's all of those things and it knows that and it balances this with this comedic line and what Blake Lively does in A Simple Favor as this very strong willed and strong person to just kind of play in a... In, in some ways, she's got two sides to play and two different different angles to go at there. But in other ways, she's just so captivating. And then the chemistry with her and Anna Kendrick in this movie, it's just, it's wonderful. I love every ounce of Simple Favor. It's so specific and so funny and so spot on. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Sorry to Bother You. These top three are where we're starting to get into these comedic, dramatic type things. Sorry to Bother You is a movie that works all the way until it just goes off the wall and then when it turns and goes off the wall you're either you're either with it and you're understanding it's understanding it or you're you're just you're not and it's it's fine um either way but lakeith brings he walks this really fine line of like constant cynicism and yet really earnest effort and you're just it's just such this beautiful performance of what how to live in the world that's created and and you just like Lakeith is is spot on and I love everything that he's doing in that whole movie um Olivia Coleman in the favorite I adore this performance and and the reason why for me it's here in comedic 
is because there are so, so many moments where I just found myself, like, snickering with glee as, like, she's, like, yelling at someone or, like, reacting to something as specifically, like, where she's kind of hurt in this one moment where she's walking off. Like, Rachel Vice has just told her that she looks like a badger and she's walking off and she, like, her servant boy, she's, like, yelling at him to look at her and then he does and she gets mad because he does so she's just look away. It's just the delivery is perfect i her in this movie the physicality that she brings to it just everything in general she is the tone of that movie and it doesn't necessarily work without what she's doing and so i that's one of the reasons why she's so high and my number one genuinely this is probably my favorite performance of the year and it's elsie fisher in eighth grade and i just think that the the character that she presents I've not seen a more true, genuine, honest eighth grader on screen. And I just think she captures so much what it's like to try to be 13 years old in 2018, 2019 and trying to deal with, you know, not only your the things that we all deal with, that we all deal with school and parents and boys and girls and relationships and friendships, but also dealing with this idea of like, as a contemporary child, you now have to contend with this idea of you have your real self and you have your public self, your social media self. And how do you present yourself in those two things? And that's just something that I think that this generation has to deal with even more so than what a lot of us did growing up. Because, like, yeah, sure, we had our public and our private self. We had our, our friends and our at home and we had our school and our public. But... To always have to be turning that off and on whenever you want to engage is is really fascinating. And just the heart, the empathy, the, the honestness, everything she brings to this role, you just, you can't help but smile and laugh at it at times. And it's, it's really great and really wonderful. So Elsie Fisher in 8th grade is my best comedic performance, but legit probably my favorite performance of the year. Alright, Aquafina, she's great. She delivers the one-liners, perfect. Constant... Wu comes in. She is a magnificent eagle flying through the skies of this comedy, taking down all of these horrible women around her. Except for Aquafina, the only other good woman in this film. Paul Rudd, he's doing his thing. He's like, hey, I'm Paul Rudd. He's the character that you're most on board with because he just doesn't seem to understand what's happening at all. Yep. Yeah. Um, Rachel McAdams game night. She's there. She's there to play. She's there to play hard. Um, I I like her juxtaposition to Jason Bateman because Jason Bateman's just playing himself or his his character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's there at a sim. She's at a similar level of intensity for how much she wants to win these games. Uh, but she's just fun and exciting. She also is given that character a lot of drive and motivation that I think that character doesn't always have in the films. Like, sometimes the girlfriend of a comedy is just the girlfriend, and she seems to be a character on, on equal footing. Mm-hmm. Melissa McCarthy, Life of the Party. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy's yeah. doing her thing. Yeah. But, like, well, it's kind of more responsible, and, you know, it's not it's not her Tammy and version of her. It's her, like... It's a more palatable version. Yeah. Yeah. And had we got a chance to sing Can You Ever Forgive Me? Might have been here for that. We haven't seen it yet. I don't think that's a comedy. Uh, I think it's like a, it's a Golden Globes comedy. (laughs) 
Right, like, get out. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew. I'm sorry, what's the name of the film? Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew! Gotta say it right, man. I don't know. (laughs) Um... So tell me about the time this basketball player made your list. What? Tell me about this time a basketball player made your list. Listen, listen. I know that the makeup could be doing quite a bit of the work. However, you know. every time he comes to me and he says young blood, <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's me. I'm engaged. Yes. I'm fully yeah. engaged with no, what's I'm about with to you. happen. I'm with you. Is his specific word best performance based on a Pepsi commercial? No. <laughs> okay. Nick Robinson loves Simon. Nick Robinson. Yeah. What a cutie. Aww. <laughs> Robert Redford. Robert Redford, the old man in a gun. Oh, I think what this, a cutie. I think that this, this is a comedy. <laughs> I laugh. It's palpable in afternoon. You know, he's just, he's dang charming. You have Robert Redford, if he's uh-huh. sitting right here. Okay. And you tell him <laughs> you just won Best Comedic Actor. <laughs> How do you think he's feeling about that for Old Man in the Gun? At least someone finally recognized me. <laughs> yeah, because he said zero recognition his whole career. His whole career. Yeah. Well, in this stage of his career, fair. He has gotten zero recognition. They were like, "Oh, young blood, <laughs> give you all the awards." But huh? now that he's like, now he's Uncle Drew, and we're not giving as many awards. Oh, sad day. All right, uh, Nick Offerman and Hearts Beat Loud. This was a very like surprising performance because I don't actually know Nick Offerman from anything. Uh, I know him from pictures on my Facebook that uh-huh. pop up, and he just seems like a horror, uh, like the worst human. Uh, and I'm not too. <laughs> yeah, he he tells me things he, like the pictures will be like vegetarians should die or something like that. <laughs> oh, it's his character. Got yeah. it. Okay. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying Nick Offerman the person. Oh, okay. However, whenever I see those pictures, I'm like, and I just hard pass. But Nick Offerman in Hearts Beat Loud, great. Good job. But my winner, of course, Josh, is Danielle McDonald in Dumpling. Ah. Danielle McDonald, my girl. My girl from when she was Patty Cakes. Mm-hmm. My girl from when she had one line in Lady Bird. Uh-huh. Here we are at Dumplin', where she's just funny. She's comfortable with who she is. She's here to bring it. She's... Throwing down the quips, she's battling against Jennifer Aniston, she's singing Dolly Parton, and you know what? She is fabulous, and she is on stage and captivating and motivating, and you feel that heart, and you feel that humor, and you're just like, Danielle McDonald, you could be a star. You could. Yeah. She's on Netflix. She's a Netflix star. She's a Netflix star. There you go. Come on. Make it to the screen. Nice. Love it. Awesome. (sighs) Uh... I'm surprised Jake Johnson didn't make your list. Oh, yeah. I didn't put any animated movies in my acting performances. Fair enough. I didn't put a voice role. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. I just know how much you love Into the Spider-Verse, so that's why I was like... Oh, I thought this would be like a crossover possible. Yeah, Into the Spider-Verse has gotten very little love this entire time. Well, we'll get there. (laughs) All right, dramatic performance. The the serious ones. All right, I'm just gonna go. Tony Collette, Hereditary. Ethan Hawke, last reformed. First reformed. 
You said last reform I last was, night, too, and I was like, maybe I just wasn't hearing you right. I also haven't written as last reform. First reformed. Joaquin Phoenix, you were never really there. John Davis Washington, Black Klansman, Ben Foster, Leave No Trace. Elvira Emanuel, first match. Amanda Sternberg, The Hate You Give. Laura Dern, The Tale. Mm-hmm. John Cho, Searching. And, yes. of course... What list would this be without the enforcer, Jamie Lee Curtis, for Halloween? There it is. Halloween 2018? Nope, just Halloween. Oh, perfect. All of them? The sequel. (laughs) Oh, good. Love it. All right. uh, My honorable mentions for this category are uh, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, Ryan Gosling for First Man, Tony Collette for Hereditary, Thomas and McKenzie. McKenz for Leave No Trace. Uh, and my nominated 10 are, my nominated 10, Amanda Sternberg for The Hate You Give, Bradley Cooper for A Star Is Born, Ethan Hawke for First Reformed, Last Reformed. <laughs> Helena Howard for Madeline's Madeline, uh, Joaquin Phoenix for You Were Never Really Here. John David Washington for Black Klansman. Kiki Lane for If Bill Street Could Talk. Lucas Hedges for Boy Erased. Stephen James for If Bill Street Could Talk. And Viola Davis for Widows. Alright, here we go. Josh, what's the most... In- uh, for a film you've never seen. Josh, oh. what's the most interesting part of Halloween? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? It's of course Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> so this film starts out, and you think for a second, you're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna go down a dark tale about this woman who has suffered abuse and who has trying to overcome her dark past, and we're doing great, and Jamie Lee Curtis is on point. And you know what that film does? No longer makes Jamie Lee Curtis the main character of the film. She's the main character, but they're like, oh, let's follow Michael Myers and be a generic horror movie. But every moment that my- Jamie Lee Curtis is on s- stage, uh-huh. screen, you're just like, yes, queen, give me more, give me more. She's great in it. She's great for a schlocky horror film. That Halloween is a shocky horror film. She is great in it. She's giving it her all. She's like, no, I care about Lori, and I'm going to give it as hard as I possibly could. Up next, John Cho. John Cho. Josh. Josh. This film shouldn't work. And without the master act of John Cho, this film doesn't. John Cho, great, fantastic, 10 out of 10. Film falls apart quickly without him. Laura Dern, the big Dern. Oh, gosh, Laura Dern. Um, She's got so much to do in the tale. She's got to do a lot in the tale. She's got to make us feel okay at the beginning, and by the end, she's got to make us feel like crap. And she does every inch of it. Amandala Sternberg, The Hate You Give. Amandala gets up there. First time Amandala really sticks out for me. And I'm like, yes, you you can do great things here. Keep it up, champ. Um, her emotional journey is unlike any emotional journey she's done in a film so far, and this shows that she can carry a film. Elvira Emanuel, first match. Hmm. First match. Listen, this girl, she is bringing it. She's bringing it the whole way there. We're like, ooh, she can play with the boys. And her emotional journey with her father, her crappy father, is great. And so just the fact that she's like, man, maybe my father could love me if I continue to do all of these things that put me in constant danger. And when her father's like, no, you can't stay with me, 
throughout this entire film, she is just crushed every single time in the relationship she makes with all the other people around her. You're just like, I love this girl. Love her. Want to see her in more things. Uh, if you haven't seen or heard of First Match, it is on Netflix. Netflix, and we have a whole episode in our back catalog about it. Ben Foster. Makes me sad. John Davis Washington. Yep. <laughs> I like how you have Ben Foster in your list, and I've got Thomas and McKins in my honorable mentions. I think that's just... Yeah, I like that. They're both great. John David Washington. Um, an actor never seen before. But after this, I've continued to think about his performance. To a point where I don't actually remember anyone else from this film. I know Adam Driver was great in it. Right. But I don't remember it. I know Eric Foreman was terrifying <laughs> in it. Don't remember it. I know that other guy who is, like, who's spending the most time with Adam Driver from, like, the bad guy. Oh, okay, yeah. I know he was also terrifying. Uh -huh. Don't remember a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But I think about John David Washington <laughs> and just how good he was in it. Yeah. And how we didn't nominate him for some reason. Agreed. I think it's strange that that film has so many nominations and he's not one of them. Yeah. Maybe they're like, you haven't given your time yet. I mean, maybe, but st still yet. Like, I... Th Best Actor at the Oscars this year is a pretty weak category. You probably could have put him in. Mm -hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. <sighs> Joaquin Phoenix, an actor that we are both terrified of. Yeah. In the traditional sense. <laughs> <laughs> yep. In this film, I'm still, t still terrified of him, but I'm also like, oh, come, come here. Yeah. Let's, let's hug it out. Right. Uh, and I think that he, I think that he really balances that like brooding force, but also just this broken man who like is just going through this, going through the constant contemplation of suicide, and you're just like, please don't. We like you too much. You save this girl. Fair. Ethan Hawke first reformed. Not last reformed. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> Josh. Josh. Yeah. Ethan. Ethan. It's Ethan. Okay. I was still surprised that somehow I saw this movie before you saw this movie. I wasn't know if I was ready. Um, Ethan Hawke, I think, is one of those actors that we just have taken for granted for too long. Yeah. And our time is coming. Oh, no. I have not are talked to you. Are going to kill Ethan Hawke? Like, what's happening? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. No, he's going to kill us. Oh, okay. Um, I think that his performance in First Reformed, we've talked about this off mic, about how First Reformed feels like a mix between the um, Last Temptation of Jesus of Christ mixed with Taxi Driver. Yes. And I think that his character in that is very much of a Travis Bick and very much of a Pickle. 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 Great. Okay. We tried everybody. I'm Pickle Rick. We, oh gosh. Why are you making Rick and Morty? You haven't even seen Rick and Morty. No. No. However, I remember at the end of eighth grade, they do make They me. do make a Pickle Rick reference. That's true. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then Pop Funko. Yep. It just made a pop of it. And I was like, what are you doing? Okay. So. It's Pickle Rick. Yeah. So he mixes Pickle, Travis Picklerick, with Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. 
I like had a lot of energy, and now I'm at Ethan Hawke, and I'm like, <laughs> he's just he's great. It's okay. When we get to Best Picture, I have a way we're gonna break this up a little bit. How? Uh, we'll get there. Keep going. I have a secret. Because I got all mine through. Josh, I have a secret category. I also have a secret category. Mine's better. You probably. It's probably not. Yeah. It has exactly three things on it. Oh, mine has more, but we'll get through them real quick. Um, I I think I feel like with Ethan Hawke, a lot of times we look at him as that dumb guy from things. He's great. <laughs> Love him. He's wonderful. I yeah. I agree. He's with... really matured as an actor as he's grown. Yeah. Yeah. As I, he's grown up. Sorry. And I know that he was like superhero or the downfall of our society. He didn't phrase it like that. Um. And, like, I know some people got mad, and I was like, he, he makes some good points. He's not saying death to all superhero movies. He's just he's just trying to cut it a little bit in half. Yep. Fair. And Tony, which is why he is actually my Thanos. <laughs> okay, and then Tony Collette for Hereditary is my, my, my winner. Like, yep, there you go. This performance, okay, this performance in this film, this slow-moving film until you hit the end and it's a, like, yeah. steep curve. She is big throughout this entire film. She is loud, bombosterous in the slow-moving film. And that whole time, you are like, you're doing great. <laughs> Everything is grounded, but it's not grounded, and it's big, and you're just, you just feel, like, very much like, how do I feel about everything that's happening here? She's wonderful in this and this is a horror movie and i know that with horror movies we don't have to care that much because they'll probably sell but you know who came to play tony collette tony collette an actress that we have continued to disrespect oh man common theme common theme yeah. our disrespect for Co tony collette i she everything that she does in this film i'm just like yes give me more give me a hundred percent more agreed a hundred percent agreed <laughs> all right here we go. All right. Jumping in. Josh. All right. Number 10. Number 10 for me is Lucas Hedges in Boy Erased. I think that's a film that doesn't work if Lucas Hedges is not on point. He carries that character. He carries that film. He is the one that allows us to see these atrocities, feel what's happening at this conversion camp, and know that like there is there's humanity on the other side of something and that we can get there. And then he's got after that whole sequence, he's got some really wonderful scenes and some really wonderful transitions with um Russell Crowe as well. So uh yeah, Lucas Hedges in Boy Raced. Uh Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born. I know I know Bradley Coops was all like, I'm gonna be the director of the year here, but buddy you're a wonderful director, nothing against you, but you're an even better actor, and that's maybe where you should, like, focus on, because goodness knows you give such this beautiful performance. We have recently watched The Hangover, and to watch that transformation from this kind of, like, brash, arrogant, cocky kid that he is in The Hangover to this broken down, drunk, stumbling, like, just slob of a guy... And the way that they both are somewhat endearing is just is a, in, entirely a credit to Bradley Cooper and who he, who what he is and who he brings and just this great in this role. Um, Amanda Sternberg in The Hate You Give, again, a performance that really carries a film. And I have been saying for a while, I like you as an actor. I want you to get a good project. And I was really excited that she did because she was able to carry as this film as well as show the layers of the character and be awesome at it. 
Ethan Hawke, First Reformed. I don't care for... I like First Reformed. I don't care a lot about it. it it's fine. You're here for the hawk. I'm here for the hawk. Like, the hawkening, the hawkessance. He's great. He makes this movie work. It is all in his face, and it's all in his eyes, and it's all... Like, you just see his the haunted nature of his work, and it's just... It's really wonderful. Uh, the words that Josh just said, my thoughts exactly. <laughs> Uh, John John David Washington in Black Klansman. I really like the way that you put it, that he stands out. He's the most vivid thing in my memory about this movie. His character, his performance, the way that he goes about carrying himself, his relationship with everybody in the film. It just, he's amazing in what he does and how he performs and how he acts. And just in general, he's awesome. Uh, Helena Howard as Madeline in Madeline's Madeline. She gets to do so much with this character of this girl who's struggling with some form of mental disease. It's not ever totally spelled out what it is. Um, and she gets to not only portray that, but portray what it's like to try to live in a world with with this disease, but also with trying to just be herself and then have a relationship with her mom and her director and then lines get crossed and she has to find out who she truly is and how she can explore and live in the world and just all of the physical things she's asked to do, but then all of the emotional small scenes she's asked to carry and all of the, it's just, it's such a beautiful, moving, wonderful performance. Uh, I have uh, at four, three and four are Kiki, Kiki Lane and Stephen James in that order, three and four, uh, for If Beale Street Could Talk, because Beale Street is one of my favorite movies of the year, and as we talked about in previous episodes, it is about their relationship and how their relationship is through the, this turbulent period of the 70s and what it's like to be an African-American citizen in this time country and that time and and now and to just watch their ups their downs their chemistry together you just want their relationship to work so bad and there's this beautiful sequence where they're on the streets and Stephen James just gets to like perf just gets to celebrate his relationship and just have a one happy moment and then there's other scenes where like they're in a grocery store and and there is an, a confrontation with a cop after after an incident in the grocery store and, and you're just watching these two people work together hand in hand to carry this film and carry this relationship and to show what it's like to just geez there's two of the most human realistic relatable performances that I've seen on camera this year and I have them just together because they work so well together um, and number two is Viola Davis in Widows. I think, again, a performance that doesn't work if, if the movie doesn't work if she's not there. What she, her strength and her ability to just show this woman who is on a on an edge through all of it trying to figure out like how to survive this brand new world of what this heist is going to mean for her and her family and and herself and these new people and to, to just know that to know what she's doing is right and just to find that inner core and to bring that out and to just be this wonderful character on screen and like it's such even going from like viola is great because she does so many different parts and performances and this is not a role that i've 
seen her do before. I just, I loved Biodelibus in that. Which brings me to my number one, which is... Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix, and you were never really here. He's taking a walk. He is. He has, was it you? Somebody had said that, like, he's got three performances this year, and they're all very, very different. Um, this one in particular, uh, it's just this story of this broken, broken shell of a man who doesn't want to be in the world anymore and doesn't know how to live in it. And he just has just enough to always hang on. And the way that I don't, there's just something violent and yet tender about everything that he's doing. And it's, and I, I, I love the comparison that I'm going to make, but like, you were never really here is like John Wick if it had actual emotion. And I don't mean that in a bad way towards John Wick because I think John Wick is wonderful, but John Wick is a big, pulpy, stunt-driven action film. John Wick is here for spectacle. Yes. John Wick is like a popsicle. Yeah. You're loving it. You Absolutely. love the taste of it. Yeah. You, you can't live on a popsicle. Yeah. You Were Never Real Here is substance. There's emotional heft and weight to it as well. And Lynn Ramsey, who is amazing as a director and amazing here, just knows how to get every ounce of everything she needs to get out of Joaquin Phoenix. And he gives just a stunning, stunning performance in this year. Uh, his other two performances outside of this were in You Won't Get that, Far on Foot. That were at least, like, wider releases. Oh, okay. There's also, like, Mary Magdalene, which we didn't see yeah. or really know of. And then there's a film called Dominion, Great. which these also could have just been festival things. Yeah. But the... But so it's, you never really hear, you won't get far on don't foot. Don't worry. Don't he worry, won't he won't get far on foot. And the Sisters Brothers. And all three of those characters are very different people and characters. And just... Joaquin's a treasure. Like, he might be a little bit messed up as an actor, like, but, like, not, not in a bad way, just in a, like, you're a little bit of a whack job. That's fine. I, he, he's a good actor. He's had a past. Yes. All right. Uh, do you want to do your secret category real fast? Yeah. Okay, what you got? So my favorite actor of all time, Ben Mendelsohn. Uh-huh. <laughs> was in three films this year. Okay, great. Uh, and we're going to ra- I'm going to rank the performances. Ooh, can I also after if I've seen them all? Sure, you've seen one of them. Okay, perfect. Okay. So the films are. Can I? Can I? So it's 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 Ready Player One. Ready Player Fun. It's Robin Hood. It is Robin Hood. And I don't know if I know the third. The last one is called The Land of Steady Habits. Oh, okay, it's great. On Netflix. Great, perfect. Yeah, it's not like a genre film. Oh, I'm so sorry. So like, why would I even like waste yeah. my time? Yeah. I I watched it. All right, so Josh, what do you think is his worst performance of the year? I'm gonna go or least best. I, I am in love. I'm with all three performances. Gonna go with the land of steady something or no. other. No. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go with Ready Player One. Ready Player Fun. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> it's not the name of the movie, but okay. I hated when you did Darkest Peru. I'll stop. No, no, it's good. I like it. Keep going. <laughs> so. Ready Player One. Fun? Ready Player One. I'm going to bring it back. Ready Player Ready Fun. Ready Player Fun? His name is like Circo in that or something. Psycho? Sure. Uh, Sorrento. 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 Hamming it up. I loved Sorrento in this. Fun villain. Not the funnest villain we've had. 
But I was just like, yeah, you understand that you're in a film. He's a good slice of ham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. In, in this sandwich. All right, next up is uh, the Netflix one. The Land of Steady Habits. Land of Steady Habits. This is the first time I've seen Ben Mendelsohn not, like, <laughs> Okay. Not playing a fly, like, rubbing his hands together to, like, plan a scheme. He's in Rogue One, right? Yeah. Okay. He, he plays the villain. Yes. He's also in Dark Knight Rises. I'm, he plays a villain. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn... <laughs> And Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> sometimes get confused in my brain. Just gonna put that out there. That's okay. Yeah. He's also in Darkest Hour. Darkest Peru? Yeah, he's in uh, Darkest Peru. Great, perfect. Hour. Darkest Hour of Peru? He's also gonna be... Here, two things. Okay. Twofold. <laughs> he's gonna be in my eighth favorite movie of this year. Okay. See, I'm just thinking of Ben. Ma- I'm just thinking of Matt Mickelson <laughs> movies at this moment. I'll give you a hint. Okay. You see, they're spies in disguise. <laughs> He's also but gonna... they're also spies in D- disguise. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. He's also going to be in Captain Marvel. Oh, great! Perfect. <laughs> so, let's see where this goes. Love it. Which means number one. Number one. Number... Oh, oh Which wait, I knew. Land of Steady Habits. Which I knew. Land, land of Steady Habits. Land of Steady Habits. He plays like a real person. I'm like, whoa, you could be an actor. Whoa. You're not just... You're not just a villain. And the last one, of course. Robin, Robin Hood. Okay, Robin Hood is a journey. Yeah. <laughs> and... I know that some people say this is the worst film I've ever seen. I hate it. I want to die. But I'm over here saying no. This okay. is the best film. It's not as Aquaman-y as Aquaman. Uh-huh. It needed to be more Aquaman. Okay, great. But like, it's... More Julie Andrews fish monsters. Yeah, it's hard to catch lightning in the bottle like Aquaman. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and he's just so much fun in it. Good. He's nice. the most fun. My secret category is called The Heroes 2018 Deserves. Here we go. But not the one it needs. Nope. That the ones they deserve. Uh, in no particular order. Basically, the order is when I figured out that you are a hero we needed, I wrote you on the list. Joan Cusack from Instant <laughs> Oh, man. I got to add her. Because she's like, do, you want, do we need a hug? Yeah. Let's hug it out. Uh, Paddington Bear from Paddington 2. Shuri from Black Panther. L3... Three seven, that might be her name. L three from Solo, a Star Wars story. Rachel Chu and Eleanor Young from Crazy Rich Asians. Star Carter from The Hate You Give. Mister Rogers from Won't You Be My Neighbor, and Miles Morales from Spider Man and Spider Verse. Not Peter B. Not Peter B. Parker. Uh, but listen, he's not the hero we deserve. We might need some people. <laughs> the people like Peter B. Parker, though. Fair enough. Fair enough. We might also might need some more uh, Spider Hams in the world. Uh, we're fine. Yeah, probably. Okay, here's what we're going to do for Best Picture, because we're deep into this episode at this point, and we've done a lot of, like, one person, so I want to get some back and forth here a little bit. So, here's my proposal for Best Picture. We each have ten, correct? Yeah. Okay. We're going to go, I'm going to say ten, you're going to say ten. And, and like, then we fight. And then we fight it out. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. No, um, basically, I'm going to say mine, and then if you, and I'll say a brief sentence on it, and you can say a brief sentence on it if you'd like, and then we'll move on. We're just going to go back and forth. Because I don't think that there's a lot of films on this list that we haven't talked about quite a bit. So if there is, we can stop on those, but maybe just give a brief sentence or two as to why it is on there. 
All right. Cool. Um, do you want me to go first, or should you go Number first? Number 10, Hearts Beat Loud. Hearts Beat Loud. I haven't seen it. Need to see it. Oh, that's a good sentence. Sorry. You haven't said much. <laughs> yes, you haven't said much about Hearts Beat Loud. Talk about it. Uh, Hearts Beat Loud. It's just, uh, it's such a simple movie, with, and it's such, so driven between the relationship between a, a father and a daughter, and it's just, it's beautiful. It's okay that it's not anything big and bombastic. It's so simple and just so sweet. If you would like to watch it, it is streaming on Canopy, which is the library's uh, uh, free streaming service. Uh, it's Canopy with a K. You can also find it on Hulu if you have a Hulu subscription. My number 10 is Widows. We have talked a lot about Widows. Uh, it is full of great performances and is a genuine, wonderful high story directed by Steve McQueen. It just released on DVD and video. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's fun. Go watch it. The Favorite. The Favorite. Yeah, we've talked a lot about The Favorite. Uh, any of your final thoughts on The Favorite? We didn't say anything about Nicholas Holt. Oh, he's so great. He's so great. He's so great. Uh, number nine, You Were Never Really Here. Too great long. film. <laughs> <laughs> great film. Wonderful to watch. I was surprised with how much I enjoyed this movie. Good times. I was worried. Number yeah. eight, Minding the Gap. What? What? Huh? Huh? It did it, everyone! It made your top ten! Huh? I did not think you enjoyed it that much. Like, I didn't think you hated it, but like, I didn't think you like, oh, really? This is so exciting. Why? I just, it told, it told such a good story. And when you're following the story of, of being and how his story, very similar to the other two, um, subjects of this documentary, there's a third, there's like a secret fourth subject in there, but I won't spoil it. When you're following these other two boys and you're just watching, you can clearly see how the strings of violence can continue to create more and more violence, or they can be used in a positive manner, such as he used his pain and things to help him make this documentary and to help share another story, and so there's just different ways of how the pain in our past can manifest itself. Love it. All right. Love it. Uh, you can also watch that. It is on Hulu. It's a Hulu original, but they're also airing it on PBS's POV on the 18th of February, which will be after when you all hear this. But that does mean that it is on PBS's streaming site and their app as well okay. for at least a little bit. Uh, number eight. Yes. My number eight is Madeline's Madeline. Uh, streaming on Amazon currently, it's a really unique and interesting film about a really unique and interesting character. And uh, it, I think for me, there are some, like, there, there, it is about a girl dealing with herself through a theater troupe. So there are some, some theater connections in there that I think are there, but I think the film is better than just that. Go, go seek out Madeline's Madeline. It's great. Seven. Disobedience. Disobedience. It's like the Dragon Ball Z of, like, movies. The Dragon Ball Z of movies? Yeah. How? Is it over 9,000? It's over 9,000. All right, Josh, what's your number Great, seven? great, perfect. Oh, sorry, do you want me to talk about disobedience? Great, it's fantastic, it's I wonderful. I mean, no, it's good. I just so, didn't know if you had any final it's thoughts. so nice and happy, but sad, but happy. It's a, it's a, it's a... to a problem that we have, and people kind of... Sh- pushed under a rug. It's also a very adult romantic movie in that sense of like it is I like the relationships that are there and I like how the the three of them end up uh, what their arc and journey ends up being very nicely. Uh, My number seven is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Super fun amazing superhero movie. Very well done. Six Black Klansmen. Um, we've talked a lot about Black Klansmen. Six for me. The Favorite. We've talked a lot about The Favorite. Very good movie. Go watch it. Five. 
Overlord. Overlord? <laughs> I feel like Overlord hasn't made a lot of your other stuff, so let's talk about Overlord a little bit. I've not seen it, so... You know, I'm not going to say that Overlord is some, like... It's going to be the film that changes the world, but I had such a fun time watching it. And how it mixes the two genres of a, of a war film and then goes into a horror film. It's just so much fun. These characters have motivations and depths and, like... It's just... It's a very... I'm so sad that this film just went so under the radar, but, like... I just had such a great time, and I love watching it. That good. I'm glad, and I did want to see it. It just came out at a very busy time, and there were lots of other things. Yeah, I had to go pay money. Yeah, to watch. Absolutely, this. not just your AMC pass. No. Uh, my number five, frankly, from I, I mean, I love all of these movies, but like in any other year, my like five through one could be my number one films. Like, they're just amazing. But my number five is Minding the Gap, for all the reasons Kylie was saying. I, I watched this movie late one night when Anne was not home, and so it was like, I started this movie at like 11.30, just being like, I'll finish it if I fall asleep later. Watched through the whole thing. Loved every ounce of it, the way this story is told. It's it's a beautiful film. It, it It's almost so good at telling its story, you kind of forget it's a documentary. And like, that is, I actually mean that in very high praise. Number four is You Were Never Really Here. Give Lynn, Ra Lynn Ramsey more money. Let yeah. her make films. Yeah, she's great. Uh, number four for me is Black Panther, a film that I really uh, resonated to, I think has more to say. I think if the superhero genre is here to stay, or at least for a long time, I would love it to be with films like Black Panther that are trying to comment on our society as well as to use these characters in a much better way than just to tell a basic hero's journey kind of story we have a lot of those let's move past it if you're gonna live let's live in a realm that's helpful to our society much like how the western had to morph and change i think it's time the superhero film does too also aquaman uh number three <laughs> first reformed not think about the environment not last reformed Shh. <laughs> i'm really struggling mine's a little melty number three eighth grade Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, amazing film. Number two. Wait, you have where is eighth grade on your list anywhere? Oh, right. It's it's fine if you didn't enjoy it. You've just you've not spoken <laughs> about your opinion on it. It's forty three. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I I don't know. To okay, to me To me I see the the tropes of the coming of age within eighth grade. And having never loved coming-of-age stories, uh, I, I get that 8th grade is showing them in a modern day, and mm -hmm. I think that people who need to grow up should see it. Um, I think that if you're an adult and you like it, that's also fine. But for me, I was just like, yeah, I went through this. Fair. Fair I, enough. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. No. I don't need to relive. I don't think that's invalid or bad. I just, I, you'd never really expressed it, so I just wanted to hear. Yeah, I, don't yeah, yeah. Think, I don't think necessarily there's anything wrong with the film, the actors, the script, the direction, but it is just like that trope of the coming of age. Yeah, totally. Uh, you're number two. Hereditary. Hereditary. Yes. What's on the wall? Good film. What's what? that on is the that wall? Is that something over there? Oh, oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. Uh, legit, my favorite movie moment of like movie going experience of the year was watching Hereditary with you and Sly. Like, just that was so much fun because I got to be like, oh, that guy. Oh, look, there he is. Yeah, we see it, Josh. That's why we're clamoring in fear. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Number two, if Beale Street could talk. 
Number one. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say? No, I've talked about Bill Street a lot. R.I.P. James Baldwin. Number one. What? Did he die? I'm pretty sure James oh. Baldwin is dead. Okay, fair enough. Just, let me look that up real quick. I you just said it in a way that made me think that like he recently died. I think it was like 2010. Okay. Oh nope, he died in 1987. <laughs> so <laughs> I was two. <laughs> uh, he's the one that wrote that book. I just knew he was important. Yes. Number one yeah. is Spider-Man. What? What? No, say it proud. Say it loud and proud. Dude, y'all say it. How did happened. I, I don't know. How did a superhero movie, the genre I was done with. You are done, yeah. Came to be number one. Yeah. Here he is. Here he is. Good old Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Pew pew. That's, that's him shooting out the webs. Yeah. Spider-Man. Why did I get the janky old Spider-Man? Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> <laughs> the, the film of 2018 that we needed. Why is this your number one? I just feel like I just, I don't know, there's heart, there's action, there's comedy, you're sad, it's like, yes, it's a comic book superhero movie, and yes, it follows the formula of a Spider-Man film, however, it does it in a very unique way, and I think that it uses its animation to its betterment. I think that, in a lot of ways with what we can do with real humans unless we make them jib jabs we are limiting ourselves to the how far we can go and i think that spider-man explores interestingly what we can do with the nice. superhero genre my number one riding pole position the entire year first movie i saw 2018 last movie i'll talk about 2018 ladies and gentlemen ben is back patty <laughs> Paddington 2 I'm sorry everybody There is not It's No no better film has come out Since Paul King's Paddington 2 of the year Uh, I have Legit logged this film Not I've watched it more But I've logged it five times On Letterboxd You gotta log it every time you watch it Uh, I will break Letterboxd If that's a true story Uh, Paddington 2 to me, represents everything that I want in a 2018 film and everything I need in film in general. It is a beautiful story of a outsider trying to find his place in a world which wants part of it wants to accept him and part of it doesn't. I think that it's a beautiful parallel about immigration. I think it's a beautiful parallel about the wonders that we can find in others and how if we are kind and are nice... In the world, or if we are polite and nice, the world. Or if we're kind of polite, the world will be right. I got it there on the third time. I'm so sorry, everybody. I just think it's everything that I personally want in a film. I don't. It's not only a fun family film. It's got some really epic cinematic sequences. It has a theme that is 
good for the audience to hear. It speaks to the issues of today. It has fun performances. It is, I, I'm sorry, I know that it, on the surface it's just like, oh, fun Paddington Bear kids film, and it's so much deeper, and there's so much more going on in this film than I think a lot of people will ever get it credit for, and they'll just kind of wash it off as like a fun kids film with a good message. But let me tell you what, Paddington 2 has more to say than most films and I, it's just a beautifully stunning, amazing piece of work. And it's called Paddington 2. So, whatever. <laughs> you know, sequels. They're great, apparently. Alright, friends, we did it. We talked about 2018. I think we're done talking about 2018 for a little bit. Yep, forever. Forever. Oh, no, like a week. For like a week? Yeah, and then we gotta do more 2018. We're gonna get some Oscar reaction stuff. Yeah. There you go, it's fine. And then, everyone, we're gonna take a trip... Can I tease? Can I make a tease? Ooh, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a trip back to 2004. Yeah. It's a film that Josh doesn't own, even though he owns every film from 2004. <laughs> True story! True story! Yep! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll, you'll all be excited for this. It is, it is Kylie's birthday movie of the year, everybody. That's right. We are all going to watch Titanic. <sighs> That's not from 2004. <laughs> it's also not my birthday film. It's not. You will all find out what that is, though, on on or around March the 1st. Hey, friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We can give us a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. <laughs> you can... And that helps us get more listeners. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at YouTube. Tumblers. Letterboxd. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Paddington Bear. I'm done with 2018. Quack, 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 quack. quack, quack, quack. quack. quack.